0: Hello and welcome to Concentric Circles Presents 619, a commentary miniseries look at Vinnie Fiorello's collection of short stories entitled 619. My name is Jim Tramontana, and over the course of this series, I will be your host as we discuss the book with author Vinnie Fiorello. During the month of June 2019, Vinnie Fiorello wrote a short story every day. It was a personal challenge to, one, just see if he could do it, but also to exercise some personal demons while reflecting on the first act of his life, spent in vans and tour buses, crisscrossing the world as a touring musician. Not only did he complete the mission of writing a complete short story every day, the result is a collection of tales that are sometimes highly personal and heart-wrenching, sometimes laugh-out-loud funny. Each tale is filled with irreverence and life lessons, as the author tackles issues like wasted youth, the pain of growing older, and other universal topics that made him famous as the lyricist of the punk band Less Than Jake, a band known for its incredibly catchy music matched with Fiorello's universally themed, yet personal lyrics. Today we continue our in-depth look and conversation about the book. By listening to chapters followed by a short commentary by Vinny and myself. So without further ado, Concentric Circles presents 619. Episode 2. 6519. Truth be told. A few of us escaped over the years. Liberated from the confines and defines of small-town life. Truth be told, it's not a location, it's a state of mind. The change of thinking, and a change of heart about who you are, and who you were, and most certainly, where you're going in the future. There's a switch that gets flipped on some people. It becomes not about what you hate about growing up and growing old in that one place, but looking at everything in a different way taking it all in from a different angle and vantage point, meandering down a slow road, walking through the doors of a dive bar you drive past every day. There was always a blueprint for cul-de-sac kids. It was always panic mode, then hit the open road. Running away from problems, making bonfires out of old friendships, the yard sale of memories sold and molded to the highest bidder, to who wanted to keep them instead of burying them. We were always quick to shed our skin, and even quicker to put on our war paint and fight each other. Some of us learned, though, leaving a place isn't running away. Moving on from friendships isn't a surrender. And taking it all in from a different perspective isn't a white flag. Convictions can become restrictions if you let them. Sooner or later, you get tired of swimming, and you allow the current to take you. For some people, the current will drag them under while they keep fighting for the last paddle upstream. But for some of us, we can sit back and enjoy the pace of floating down the river, free of the constant fight over nothing, free from the pushback of people trying to push you down. Free. Truth be told, a few of us escaped, but we never talk about it. So six seems to be, you know, mostly about escape in a way. You know, it's it's it seems to kind of um, be both about growing up, but also escaping that humdrum life of you know, like um, adolescence and 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 hitting the road. And I was wondering if you wanted to like speak a little bit about that.
1: Uh, for me, six five nineteen is it's really about relinquishing the fight to like stay who you were and just let that natural kind of current take you to who you're going to be. Right. Mm, right. Like, yeah. when, I was, when I was growing up, everyone fought so hard to stay in their like confine of like being a punker, being a metalhead, being, you know, a jock being, you know, a burnout. And they fought so hard to, stay in that box. I, I, I never got it, man. Like I, I was like that briefly. And then when the only freedom that I ever felt was the freedom after I gave up trying to fit into anybody else's mold. Right. And for me, you know, growing up in New Jersey and it was most definitely this sort of suburban, you know cul you know i use the word cul-de-sac kid where mm, yeah. it's just a group a group of maybe like a 10 square blocks of the kids that lived in the neighborhood uh that were all there and we were all you know when we were growing up we were all different some like sports others like music some found punk rock some found metal some found all those life preservers growing up right but we we spent the time fighting to stay in those stereotypes and for me that that never made sense like it dawned on me at one point that you know it you don't have to live that way and the moment that you can feel the freedom is the moment that you stop fighting for who you think you are and just let that change envelop you
0: yeah let it just kind of happen and that happened for you at a a young age or is this more of a reflecting back you saw that change in yourself looking back
1: no it's when when i was you know probably uh 14 15 and i started to find punk rock and when i found punk rock and all of a sudden you you wear the uniform and and you're acting like you think (laughs) you should be acting but that only lasted a little bit and i I, I came I came to it before my 16th birthday and before my move down to Florida, uh, I I found myself in trouble with uh, the law. I got arrested and then I spent some time in uh, juvenile detention. Oh, uh, wow. yeah. And from that point, after I came out of that, it was a wake-up call not only to to shed how I was acting, but shed the whole persona i was trying to like fight to stay into uh and and as soon as that that freedom not only literally of getting out of jail but but that freedom of like you know that mask that you're trying to to wear and that box you're trying to fit in the minute that i i stopped doing that i found the person that who i wanted to be and 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 from there uh it was pretty cool pretty cool sailing for my my later teenage years you
0: know yeah so that that experience changed you and you kind of broke out of that mold that everyone else seemed to be stuck in And that like so the cul-de-sac is kind of a metaphor also of that kind of roundabout stuck area at the end of the street huh
1: oh yeah um, with no there's only the the exit is also the entrance
0: yeah ooh deep <laughs> nice huh. nice did um so after so the you you moved to florida shortly after you um paid your debt to society was that um was that uh was that on purpose or like did they move you out of there because things were you were heading down a wrong path or was it just happenstance well well
1: two things uh, one well the family was already planning on moving uh you know, within a year anyway.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So to get out of jail and to kind of uh, not spend any more time or be sentenced to any more length of time in jail, uh, the judge said, hey, if you guys are planning on leaving anyway, if you leave soon, uh, we can call this and and he can start Mm -hmm. probation down in another state. And start fresh, and that's what my dad did. My dad took me from uh New Jersey and down to Northport and uh, we lived with my uncle and aunt uh, for you know probably I think it was six months until uh, my mom came down and you know I, and throughout a lot of six nineteen there's a lot of chatter about my dad and my relationship with yeah. my dad and it's a very we it's been a very weird and dark, like it just was weird. It's been weird and dark. Uh, but at times these really bright moments of, of him supporting and him protecting, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: so, so frankly, like the six nineteen is a, 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 very conflicted when I talk about my dad and, and one thing talking about a family vacation and, and, these things and and great memories and solid memories and then in other times this this dark cloud this like sort of menace in a corner
0: and um is your dad still with us or is
1: he, he is but i you know i i've cut my relationship with him it's been mm. uh at I, I 20 20 years probably somewhere yeah. around
0: there okay so that adds another little elements of yeah the the darkness that's coming out of here that's 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 deep man. 6619. Question. When you die, where do you go? I read that it takes 16 days to start a new habit and 66 to break a bad habit. Then I thought to myself, how long would it take to break a habit I've had for 25 years? You know those weird habits that build up slowly over time, right? Check the door three times to make sure it's locked. Your body demanding a morning coffee or that one last cigarette before you go to sleep. Call it self-preservation. Call it mania. Call it an echo of constant content, but I specialize in dark clouds. The inner monologue that gives me the worst-case scenario. Begging for the bad news first, and going right to the black before the bright. Mind you, sometimes the dark clouds come with silver linings, but occasionally the dark clouds ride along with ear-splitting thunder and bone-charring lightning. Make no mistake, I've taught the dark clouds to come and sit directly over my overactive brain or take up residence on my shoulders being both friend and motherfucker. Let your mind go to your darkest place and let it wander around a little. Then think about doing that for half of your adult life. The Bad Habit has a roadmap to the farthest corners and oldest memories, occasionally content to give a passing thought about where you go when you die, but also needing to sometimes flex its creative muscle a bit by bringing out full scenarios on world collapse and how I should be a doomsday prepper or how the words I've just typed out are utter bullshit. How long would it take to unravel the words manic, obsessive, depressive, Alive, survived, driven, driven over, gasp, and grasp, all balled together and compressed over a decade or two. I stop long enough every day to consider that maybe the bad habits are not at the end of the rope. That last needed bit. A speed bump from the occasional free fall to help you gain a grip to help pull you back up. A lifeline to keep the balance between feeling too good or too bad. But the question really is when you die, where do you go? So, 6619 has a lot of darkness in it. And to me, it, it's almost kind of a descent into the abyss and a sort of rebirth. And that's kind of encapsulated with this, where do you go when you die? Almost, you don't quite say, like, is there life after death? But there's kind of, there's definitely this this cir- circle, uh, or at least a descent and a rise that's going on there.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with it, right? So for me, it's all about, you know, the Phoenix coming out of the ashes. It's about the the car crash, but being able to walk away from it, you know, with a few scratches, but relatively uh, unscathed, you know, and uh, looking back and there's, you know, a house on fire, but you're, you're sitting there and watching it burn. Right. So uh, (laughs) I, I think that ultimately, uh, I'm, I'm a dark person anyway, you know, I, I, definitely, uh, my mind goes to the worst case scenario, like I said, and that's true. Right. right. And it even right. and this time that we're recording it, we're recording this during, uh, a full pandemic in the United States. And, uh, this has my like sort of dark cloud mind and that doomsday prepper line kind of resonated with me because I really am. I'm like, I do go, go, Hey, there, there's a hurricane off the coast of Florida, which there is currently. Mm -hmm. And I,
0: of course I
1: I go, Hey, maybe I should get batteries. If this happens, you know, am I, do I have this? Do I have that? And I go through this elaborate sort of plan of, of survival, even pre, even pre catastrophe. Right. And I think that's been my, my survival mode all along, it's preparing for the worst because, uh, in my mind, the worst is coming regardless. Right. And, right. And I, I, you know, and I I don't necessarily know if that's healthy or not. And I, 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 am sure there's people listening going, dude, that's not healthy, you know? Uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But
1: it even goes back to, you know, six one nineteen, where it's why the fuck are these people smiling? Like being, uh, tripping out that there's people that are content with how things are and how bad things can get. Right. And for me, I go, well, things are definitely going to get bad and I'm a dark cloud dude, right? I guess. Right. And, uh, they are going to get, they are going to get bad. So let's prepare for them to be bad. And when, when they are, you, you can come out of it. And, and, you know, it's that, that same shit where it's, you know, they teach you to, to stop drop and roll when you're on fire, right? Right. And they, they, right. they push you in this headspace of, hey, if you're ever on fire, this is what you do. But I mean, that that's, you know, that's a very extreme situation and they're preparing you for a very extreme thing. But uh, I guess that's how I've been living my adult life. Yeah. I've been preparing yeah. for the worst and with steps of how to Save myself and and the other people that are around me, and I don't know if I'll ever need it, but uh, right. I, I guess I'm prepared actually... for the very way.
0: Yeah, I wanted to touch on that. Now that you are a family man, you have you have you have a daughter. Has has the the preparedness become more? Intense has your darkness and you're expecting the worst, you know, hope for the best, expect the worst kind of uh, mentality um, been strengthened now that you're in charge and responsible for more than just yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it goes. I describe myself, you know, and and a a very like sort of lyrical uh, bounce. And I give a list and Uh, being a dad most definitely, uh, amplifies those things, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, because you're worrying about, uh, you know, my wife, my daughter, dog, house, safety, those, those things, right? So for me, when you have, when you have more to look after, that, that manicness that I was feeling before only, only, you know, amplifies by 10. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the, the answer is simply, yeah, it, it, you know, being a dad and being a husband, it, it makes you kick into even extra overdrive when there's things that could possibly happen that would hurt or harm. Right.
0: Right. And, uh, yeah, and and um, would you so that's like kind of the good side of the bad habit then, I mean, because you mentioned you know there's the you reference like bad habits in the beginning and it kind of comes back here and there. Um, would you consider your your pessimism a bad habit or is it, it uh, more of a survival mechanism at this point?
1: It, it's it's a little of both, Ben, because uh, that that dark cloud kid you know, it's definitely have been a crutch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and a, a, a general default where it's like, yeah, this is, this is who I am. Uh, and, uh, that dark cloudness and that pessimism definitely has been the umbrella to weather certain storms. It's definitely been a crutch to lean on when I didn't want something or was disappointed by something. So, uh, yeah it, it it really is man it, it's it's I've, I've wielded uh that sort of dark headspace as a shield uh and i'm i'm pretty good at it now in my adult life you know I'm not saying uh that it's a good thing i'm just saying uh that it exists and and how i how i've been using it
0: yeah and was Like, there's a lot of darkness in like the the lyrics that you've written, especially for bands like Less Than Jake. But the Less Than Jake's music is generally so happy. It's like it's it's upbeat. It's it's it makes you want to dance. Is there what's like what is that kind of juxtaposition in your musical life been and where does that come from in relation to these bad habits?
1: You know what? I I've always you know with Lust and Jake we've always described it as like this two headed you know monster. On one side it's like sort of this angry uh, angry and sad thing. On the other side it's just like sort of like light party party. You know? Uh,
0: yeah, I guess yeah. It's like any party. It's it's fun, but it's also you know it could be it's disastrous at the same time. You know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and you know I, I've always prided myself my artistic output. To do the same thing so whether it be less than jake with a darker lyric but a more upbeat backbone musically to uh let's say even the art that i'm doing for for wonderland war which was super bright cartoony characters but with a dark sort of bent on it so one of the characters was the monkey assassin right mm-hmm. and if you're looking at it it's just like sort of like cute monkey in a suit but if it has a gun that's behind it so he's holding a gun behind his back right wow. uh eight hands for bad habits which is this sort of brightly colored octopus but it's holding dice and pills and booze and cigarettes and coffee and then you know go with the skulls that I've done for paper and plastic bright and poppy and pop art and, you know, modern art, but all with a base of the form of a sculpt. So, so for me, I've always, my artistic output's always been a balancing act of this sort of bright color, but with a dark, dark theme. Or if you want to kind of call it what it is, it's sort of like this uh, dark, you know, like a, a dark, Cloud with a candy coating on it.
0: Hmm. Six, seven, 19. The young and the standing. We like to stand around and smoke cigarettes. Poster boys and girls for the young and apathetic. Brilliant minds put on hold to unravel emotions and beat back the tribal drums of growing up. We like to think the boredom was a placeholder, and the aggression of our elders desperately trying to push us into their not-so-bright future was just a phase they were going through. If my mom was so unhappy, divorced, and working 60 hours a week, And his dad couldn't even take off work for his little brother's birthday party without getting fired? How are we, the young and the standing, supposed to be optimistic about moving into their future? We like to stand on the corner by the liquor store, next to the train tracks, daydreaming about jumping the train and leaving forever, but always wound up talking more about all the parents we recognized coming and going from the liquor store. Brown bags to hide the labels, but the top of the bottles and bright plastic screw caps peeping out of the top of the bag. A beacon into our futures of work, family, boredom, hoping we could numb ourselves to sleep so we could get up and do it all over again. We hoped to remain hopeless, dreamed of the dreary, shouted to the night in hopes someone and anyone would hear it. Dear God, please kill us where we stand rather than living a life already planned. We don't need you to tell us to grow up when growing up is giving up and giving up means we're already gone. Words echoed to no one and nowhere, standing still in a suburban purgatory. We were the young and the standing, counting out change for cigarettes, counting on the change to get out of this mess not wanting to follow in their footsteps, refusing to believe that age meant we didn't know better. We were the young with a death wish rather than accept the mess we were left with, a circle of smoke with good hair and T-shirts I'd kill to have today. So six seven nineteen um, again uh, brings back the the metaphor of the cigarette. There seems to be a, a theme running a lo- through a lot of these with with smoking and cigarettes. And I was wondering if that is, and also bad habits, um, like we talked about in uh, six six nineteen. Um, what is what is the smoking and the cigarette like? What what are we getting at there with with that metaphor? If it is a you metaphor, know
1: what no it's not though man like i i consider myself uh in a a past life for sure uh a gold medal smoker man like
0: <laughs> so it's just historical it's just a historical yeah, it, artifact it,
1: it, it's, a, it, it's a look back but it's definitely uh, a snapshot that that wouldn't uh, no, i don't know i can't say wouldn't happen today but more unlikely to happen today than it did you know 30 years ago right Mm -hmm. uh smoking was a a great pastime to kind of get over the boredom when you were hanging out and it was a social thing for me growing up you know the smokers hung out and we smoked cigarettes and we talked shit and uh to be able to have that like opening line of, Hey, can I bum a square? Right. Or,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: you know, can I, can I grab a smoke off you? And then you sit around and get a light and, and you talk shit and you meet new people that way. And it very much was the, the, the social circle that I, that I was with. Right. We, we smoked cigarettes and we drank and we hung out and the, the title of it, uh, the young and the standing it comes back from when I was growing up and much younger than when I started smoking. But uh, my mom every afternoon used to watch a soap opera called the young and the restless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a play off that where we weren't restless. We were bored, man. We were bored in suburbia and our parents had that, the the mantra of uh, do do what we tell you to do and don't become what we've become, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and how could, how could you do that? They were showing us the blueprint to be miserable in in daily life. They were showing us the blueprint to compromise everything that we believed in, but to the group of people and that sort of like that, it goes back to that punk rock ethos, right? When I was growing up, uh, the, the blueprint wasn't good enough for us. And uh mind you, it's a little bit melodramatic, but still, you know, uh we meant it. Right? Kill us here. We don't, we don't want to grow up and be miserable. We don't want to grow old and just wait until we die. Kill us here while we're good looking and with right. great fucking t-shirts with great <laughs> fucking hair, like kill yeah. us in our prime because we don't want to see ourselves past our prime
0: right yeah and of like your those old friends the the young and the standing how many of them do you think actually did escape and how many just succumbed to what their parents went through
1: you know what but well, sadly most of them you know settle into that uh what their parents went through and there's been a bunch that are 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 very good you know, very good moms and dads and very good artists and very good musicians. So there's success stories, but a a lot of the times, man, like, uh, you can't shake the blueprint that's been ingrained in you from the moment that you were born. Right.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Like, and it's hard to change that, that DNA. And, uh, I, I, you know, lyrically, I, on, uh, g and vfla for less than jake there's a song called the devil in my dna mm-hmm. and it, it, it sort of touches on that hey like m- maybe no matter what the environment you still can't shake what is sort of designed inside of your your bloodstream or your head or or whatever
0: right it's kind of your destiny and you can't shake it what at what age uh, when when did you start smoking just out of curiosity
1: uh, first cigarette at thirteen. Damn. Full, 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 full full smoker at fifteen.
0: Oh wow! So so you were you were one of the bad kids sneaking out of class and smoking around the portables in the back, huh?
1: Yeah, you know I, I think that of, of of course you were surrounded by kids that were you know anyone that was smoking as a teenager you're were set up. To to be called a bad kid, but right. to be honest with you, I again, it's like uh, you found, you know, I found smoking like you or whoever would find sports, right, right, where yeah. it, it was your social circle and it was your support it was your lifeline it was what defined you it was everything and nothing at the same right. time I mean, I like- mean it's,
0: it's instant camaraderie you kind of just talked about it it's like even a stranger you go up and say hey man can I bum a cigarette you a- automatically have something in common you automatically have a, like a social thing that you're doing together that it just lends itself to interaction and at the, at the very least getting to knowing someone on a very superficial level and some Sometimes you make, you make best friends that way.
1: Yeah. And, and for, for what I was talking about there, for sure, it, it takes slow time yeah, and yeah. it, it it makes it uh, have a placeholder during slow time.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, so yeah. you're, you're, you're busy smoking, but time's just going and you're just standing there talking and, and smoking. It just was the placeholder man to, to waste time and get over wasted time. And I, I don't know, man. Like th- there was a point where I grew up in New Jersey and I, I think we mentioned that before, but uh, mm-hmm. if we didn't, I grew up in New Jersey and then later I moved down to Florida. But my time in New Jersey was definitely quintessential suburban life. And it was every parent was going to work. Every parent looked forward to the weekend. Every parent wanted to go down to the Jersey shore to have their weeks worth of vacation. Every parent wanted what was better for, uh, a better life for their kids than they were living. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted the American dream. Everyone was living in the shadow of New York city. Everyone was living on the outskirts of a fucking like, you know, waste dump from the industrial part of New Jersey. Right. Uh, Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was a wild time. Right. And I think that with these, with a lot of these stories, it goes back. And I try to describe this, this, this sort of spark, this like point of uh, where the spark and you see the smoke and then it turns into flame of who I became. And I'm trying to show the reader of of 619 of these little points of of thought and memory of what I did back then to show how I became and why I am how I am today.
0: Six, eight, Who I was to him. Here I am, with his hand me down DNA, programmed with the way he used to get manic when his stress mounted up. I catch myself looking up while thinking and immediately flash to our old New Jersey house, him alone in the dining room, lush burgundy and gold wallpaper at his backdrop, while staring off, unhappy, with his eyes looking up. His thinking face, his caught in my own head face, His, I wish I was anywhere but here face. My face sometimes. He was brilliant when he was depressed. His points were sharper, magnetic eye contact when he spoke to you, passionately pleading his case or yours. It's funny what you remember when it's things you desperately want to forget. When you are growing up, you want a sail that helps with direction and the lessons to help push off and away over the horizon line to parts unknown. He was entirely an anchor, stable, unwavering, but equally confining. A stoic man with a knack for making you feel trapped. When it was time to leave, it wasn't a run. It was a sprint through the door, a few bags packed and a few so ingrained I could never figure out how to unpack. When he left and how he went, how it made me feel, how it was when he came back and then left again. You're your father's son, she said. I can see that you have it in your eyes. Then following up with the knockout blow of. You're a dreamer just like him. He was. I am. That's what he was to me. A donor to dreaming. A blueprint of wanting more and the DNA of never being satisfied. So, so, so yeah, go ahead. Six, eight who I was to him.
1: Yeah. You know, and it just kind of, uh, you could tell at the time, you know, Uh, six, 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 seven, six, eight. It it really is all about, you know, going back and rifling through the files and the mind photos. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and uh, this one is is really, man, it's I I touched on it with the devil in my DNA. You know, we just talked about it and talked about, you know, having the blueprint of, of failure already, like sort of ingrained in you as you were growing up and you know, that's that right here is my dad in a nutshell. Right here explains him being divorced from my mom, coming back, and then being divorced again, and then finally being gone. It describes the feeling of me going, I don't want what you have, and what you became, and who you are. And me, when it was time to go, me like, Shooting off like a rocket, man! Like uh, away from the house and away from that. You know, I, I've said it before. Like sometimes towards the end of it, felt like a fucking haunted house, right? Right. Uh, full, full of ghosts and full of you know memories and and it just it just when it was time to go, it was time to go. The house was full, but the house was equally empty at the same time, right? Uh, so. Dude, it, it's 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 heavy for me to listen to because I, at times, when I'm in my most sort of like a dark place, and I find myself staring, and I know the face that I'm making, and I know the eyes that I'm having, and I know that it's exactly this hand me down from from my dad, and it's right. just.
0: Yeah, yeah a, you say the donor to dreaming and those dreams aren't always pleasant ones, right? Sometimes they're very dark.
1: And and it's you know the thing that I inherited most from my father uh was dude it was never being satisfied. Right. And uh it could be a, a lump of fucking uh gold could have landed in the in the man's lap and he still wouldn't have been overly
0: Do you think that experience with I mean, we we would say that he probably was depressed or is depressed and that that kind of um, that that failed marriage tainted your um, experience as a child and your perception of of what the rest of the cul-de-sac kids were going through, because probably most of them had very similar experiences.
1: I th- I think that my friendship with people when I was younger to this day, uh they're all intertwined with divorce and uh parent, you know, depression. <clears throat> I think that like that's our common common bond, I think, you know, when you start to peel away the onion, you start to get to like what connects people in your adult life. I think it's how they were brought up and the experiences they had while they were growing up. And I think a lot of it is is divorce and a lot of it is, you know, a depression on their, their parent side or a, you know, a, a mood swings on their parent's side. I think that there's a lot of friends that I have as an adult that went through the same thing. And that's this sort of common you know, unspoken bond and connection that we have with each other. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, it, again, like I think it's a very weird hearing. It is very weird. Cause as I was listening it, to it just now, I was detaching from it because it, it it's so words. true, yeah. dude, it's just, so it's just so true. And it's so raw even now, uh, as an adult, it's just still so raw that when, uh, when I was doing it, it last year, uh, when I was writing it, uh, it, it just was a, like my, almost like a, a closing of a book and a chapter and to be able to reopen it now and kind of hear it back. It's just mm-hmm. so raw, man.
0: The wounds are still fresh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Even, you know, uh, four decades later it's still there
0: you know yeah, and, I, and it it's probably never never going to get any easier and it's just something that you carry you carry with you forever and like do you think that the the strained relationship your parents have had has that had an effect on how you as an adult have had relationships
1: i i don't think so it actually made it it, it, and not in a negative way, but I think that in a positive way growing up where it was a sort of yo-yo and it was a volatile situation with my parents. It made me want to have relationships that were strong, that were the opposite of what I grew up in. Wanted It wants me to continue even now to this day to have stable home and a great relationship with my daughter and with my wife and, it, it was a rule book to how not to fuck up, you know?
0: So that'll do it for episode two of Concentric Circles Presents 619. Join us next time when we continue our conversation about the book. If you'd like to get your own copy of the print book, you can find it at all the usual online bookstores, as well as paperandplastic.com. Again, my name is Jim Tremontana, and on behalf of myself, Vinny, and the whole Concentric Circles crew, thanks so much for listening, and stay frosty.